Hello and welcome back to Let's Get Weirding. I'm Bo North. And I'm Megan Sunday. And usually on this show, we are discussing Frank Herbert's Dune series chapter by chapter. But today, as promised, we are back with part two of our dis- movie discussion. And we have a very special guest with us. He is the editor-in-chief at thespool.net, where Megan and I both write. As well as, you know, you've written for Consequence of Sound, like tons of wonderful places. And you just got quoted on a movie a dvd so amazing it's clint worthington hello i'm so pleased to be back on the show you have to explain now that i've mentioned it the yes uh, the quote. <laughs> okay so um there was a movie on netflix if you haven't seen it called the mitchells versus the machines that's like the cg animated comedy from lord and Mir- Mil- sorry from lord and miller uh, the people who did lego movie and spider verse and stuff like that mm-hmm. i really liked it and um at the end of the year they send us fancy critics who are in organizations and have to like vote in awards mm-hmm. for your consideration screeners just just pounding down our doors with swag and all <laughs> whatever they can do to like sway our votes um but i was in and normally normally i'm not the kind of guy i'm the kind of guy who's like don't post pictures of your stuff it's braggy and weird and don't do it and that's exactly what they want you to do but i probably might post a picture of this because i was actually a pull quote on the for your consideration dvd for it and it's just really cool to like because sometimes they'll just post the uh the outlet but my name is on there too and i'm like i don't know it feels it feels kind of validating i guess it's very cool and (laughs) you totally deserve it so (laughs) welcome back to the show yes way too long yeah it's Mm -hmm. been a really long time since book Um, one (laughs) yeah since early in book one too so i mean because it kind of got to where like after the first like 10 chapters were like we can't ask people to like flip through to chapter like 15 and just read that one <laughs> chapter yeah they're not numbered having... yeah. yeah exactly so you have to count them out which is really fun for us yeah <laughs> yeah i hate counting so uh let's talk about this movie yes the movie of of <laughs> dune as uh Yodorowsky would say it which by the way real quick look okay. aside Finally saw Yodorowsky's Dune for the first time this morning. It's an enjoyable little documentary. But oh, yeah. He's always, a kook. Yeah. yeah. He, he's nuts. And <laughs> I'm very glad that his Dune did not get made. I will just come right out and say yeah. that. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Um, 14 hours. 14, 14 hours. 14 hours. Um, yeah. We, we decided to have our good friend, mutual friend, Josh Hollis, who does like all of our artwork, he uh, watched that to come on to our show, having never seen anything Dune-related, <laughs> never seen the movie. Like, hey, Josh, watch this documentary about this crazy, like, art house director wanting to make Dune. And right. we had a really, um, I don't know, the jizz blood really sticks in my head. So Yeah, yeah, <laughs> there yeah, yeah. The fact that he was going to cast his own son as Paul. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, put that kid through the ringer. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, oh, well. Oh, we're watching child abuse. This is fun. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, yeah. And I'm just obsessed with the way he says Dune. Because he he even admits he doesn't, he can't say it. It's just, it's sort of like, the Dune. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I much prefer your uh, impression to the actual thing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. (laughs) So anyway, um, Dune the movie, you... I don't know that you love this as much as we did. Yeah, it's well, it's tough. It's very interesting because why I saw it 
early um you know because i'm a fancy critic and uh and everything else and uh yeah it was like i I came away with it pretty lukewarm like i I Mm -hmm. love the production i love the look of it i love the production design Mm -hmm. it was just it was very jarring for me especially the first time going through it to see like how far they get in the book and i knew it was going to be two parts but it was sort of like i figured that um, you know, the Atreides stuff, like the sort of pre and attack would, would be the lion's share of the movie. Um, yeah. But that's really only an hour and a half. And then the, 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 the second sort of hour is just one big chase narrative um, with a part in the, with a part in the book that um, Lynch skipped and they sort of even breezed through it in the sci-fi miniseries. Like that's sort of just like a couple scenes. Yeah. Um, like, especially the sort of interstitial thing with where, where Duncan is still there. That kind of thing, and um, sure. yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things where um, it felt like they had lost a lot of of the character, or at least mm. a lot of the political intrigue that I was most fascinated by. I feel like the the Harkonnens really suffered the most uh, mm. through the mm. lack of fade, through uh, Raban having like five lines, and, <laughs> and same with Piter too. Like, I, I didn't feel like I was really getting. Um, their scenes felt really short. Like, whenever their scenes ended, I felt like, oh, that's it. Because <laughs> um, I feel like they ended in the middle, and now that we know some stuff, and we'll talk about it later about like all the deleted scenes and stuff. I'm like, okay, I get it. They filmed it, but they were like, okay, we have to cut down to brass tacks. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say that after my initial thing, I mean, obviously, you know, it was it was just sort sort of such a shock. But then, like in, I've seen it about two more times since, and I, was I am I ask, s- because on rewatch, I actually enjoyed it more each subsequent viewing. And, and so I did, did the I. First time, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it, I mean, it's still not perfect. I still think there are some problems. I'm still getting used to Timmy, um, but <laughs> uh, but I think there is there's a lot. I mean, all the like, so many ingredients are there, and mm-hmm. I'm just sort of like confused as to why it doesn't coalesce for me into a completely successful dish. Mm-hmm. I think it's because it knows it's half a movie. It's yeah, it's the yeah. incompleteness of it. And I think I actually mentioned that in my review for this pool is like I would want to see it as a whole. Yeah. as part one and part two together to really tell if this is like, did I just enjoy this because I'm a huge Dune fan or mm-hmm. did I enjoy this? Cause it's a good movie. And like, fair, I fair. kind of fell on the, the former side, you know, for a while until I watched it a couple more times. But I do think like seeing the two parts side by side would really give us like such a better picture of the film itself of mm-hmm you know, his vision and his idea of what Dune is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, because this this isn't even a case of like, oh, I don't like that it ends on a cliffhanger. Like, Mm. because there are films that end on cliffhangers that still feel complete in a way that that dunk part one does not. (laughs) Uh, You know, like Empire Strikes Back still feels like a complete movie. There is a sense of like forward momentum. Fellowship of the Ring, I think is a perfectly Mm. like, coherent movie on its own like it, it, even if they'd never made any sequels i feel like it could have worked um but uh, but yeah dune part one that that whole especially it just feels like the introduction to the fremen feels really abrupt and mm. a little limper than i would have liked um yeah. for some reason the fact that it took place in the open air maybe 
uh, hurt it for me. Like I think, it, like if they had made it to caves, if, if those scenes <laughs> just feel so cave friendly that like it felt <laughs> weird that they were just like, oh, we're just gonna be on the same location like we have been on for like the last <laughs> hour. Um, I don't know. There was just something weird about it, and uh, the fact that yeah, it ends with Zendaya just saying this is only the beginning, and I'm like, oh, okay, great. So this is where the movie's gonna. <laughs> it end was now. like a, an episode of Drag Race. Yeah, I just wanted everyone to come out and be like, "This is the beginning." Right? Or, or no, no. Every time a character dies, um, you know, Baron Harkonnen shows up on TV, be like, "Hold on, don't pack just yet." The game, <laughs> the game within a game is just beginning. Oh fuck that game within a game! Yeah, uh, All Star Six. I mean, that is me. sort of effectively what happens to Duncan. So yeah, you have to sandwalk like. for your life. Um, <laughs> Oh, I'm gonna be honest. I thought the sand walk was hilarious. Yes, and very great. silly. There's I'm no good way to walk on sand. I don't know why they introduced it if they're going to be like, oh, this looks stupid. So we're not gonna have them use it anyway. Like we're gonna use it, have them use it for five seconds, and that's it. <laughs> but I just like that he has to like. It's called a sand walk, and it's very like info yeah. info video. You know, it's right, right. Cute. Well, because he's a teenager who learned something. I know so, it was cute. Yeah. That's that's kind he's of what I like, mansplain. He got to more hey mom, hey mom, hey mom, hey mom, mom, mom. What is it? What? <laughs> I'm oh cooking. Oh my god. We Jessica's just, uh, never cooked anything in her life. I love oh, her, but she has absolutely never cooked a thing. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then just you know, uh, so many characters got short shrift. I mean, UA and mm. and shout out mm. Mapes, I think specifically, like yeah, really, oh, sure. like and and Thufir as well yeah and apparently there was quite a bit oh we love we love a parasol moment yeah there was <laughs> apparently quite a bit more of thufer and um paul that we didn't get to see just because again they really had to strip it down to the most essential scenes mm-hmm. um but i would have liked to see that even though that's a character that i have very strong feelings about yeah <laughs> <laughs> i mean i'm glad that they chose um what is his name, Stephen? Um, oh, Henderson. I forget yes. the middle name, but it's like something Stephen, something Henderson. Yeah. Yeah. From uh, so Lady I'm, Bird. Yeah. And uh, he was great on Devs. Anyone that yeah, saw that last was. year, Alex Garland's Devs. Um, stellar show. He was amazing on it. Yeah. But I interviewed I Alex Garland for that. That was a really, that was like one of my last interviews pre-COVID. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. It was such a good show. It was so unexpectedly great. I was like, yeah. wow, Alex Garland could do Dune. And I think we put it um, on our best of list last year for TV. Yeah, so I, I think I remember that. But um, he, you know, he is, I'm glad they chose this actor because he has like this presence that you just automatically feel like, oh, okay, I feel a little more easy now. <laughs> he's very fatherly. He's very yeah. paternal. Yeah, or he's very grandfatherly. Like, and I feel like that fits with the, the sort of the Atreides use of the Mentat. Yeah. Um, sort of this wise old sage, um, well, yeah, but still, I mean, but still, with his little the... military outfit, is still really adorable. I yeah, I mean, we didn't get a, a barely a whiff of Thuver's raging misogyny. <laughs> <laughs> and to be fair, even with the extended scenes, it doesn't feel like that's in there. Is that right, or is it? I, or I feel like there were tones. There? I was oh, yeah. I was reading a lot into tones. There were. That's okay. just because I'm also like, just like I know you hate Jessica Thuver. I know it's there <laughs> under the surface. <laughs> Yeah, you can. I mean, I think thief. they did some nods to that, but not yeah. without like just overtly being like, "Oh, this witch can't be trusted." Fist on uh, table. Mm. Well, they cut out that entire 
maybe Jessica's a spy plotline. Right. Which, right, which I think is for the best. Ultimately, yeah, though, I really wanted to see Drunken, Drunken Idaho. But I, I yeah. do think that they also put a nod to that in there with Leto saying, even when you walked in shadows, meaning... Mm. You were probably a spy for the Bene Gesserit. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to say there was a scene where, like, Jason hot. Momoa was drunk, and I was like, I didn't see that. <laughs> yeah. More, more's the pity us. I'm not convinced he said any of those, my boys, sober. <laughs> <laughs> and his face when Paul was like, I had a dream and you were dead. And he's like, oh. <laughs> About that. Yikes. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I understood where, I mean, but also just like with, with Dr. Yui especially, like it, mm. for a character that whose betrayal hin- on, is, is something on which the plot hinges so much, the mm. fact that mm-hmm. they gave him such short shrift really makes that moment ring hollow. And I was hoping that there would be <laughs> something a little bit more there, um, especially given that it, you know, and there, there are also questions sort of about the general, you know, issues of representation there where mm. like, uh, you know, obviously the lack of, of Middle Eastern actors was is, is a factor apart from David Desmalkian, who's playing the palest character in the movie. <laughs> right. yeah. And, yeah. Um, and the fact that Dr. Yui is, is Asian turns his character into kind of the Asian betrayer. Um, mm. which is a which is a pernicious trope that uh, would be great if we did a little less of. <laughs> and I think if we'd had those scenes explaining that conf- that conflict um, would have would have helped that a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know there's at least one deleted scene with Yui and Jessica, but mm. again, who knows like that's something I think that they could have sacrificed maybe a couple of you know beautiful shots of the desert for. <laughs> Right, so, right, Some of those sweet ornithopter <laughs> shots. Yeah, like as wonderful mm. as those were, we still, you know, maybe a little less of the Baron in his oil bath and a mm-hmm. little more learning who Yue <laughs> is and why it's a big deal that right. he did what he did. Well, and one thing that I thought that they didn't delve into enough, it felt like they tried to, but not really much, was the, the whole um, undercurrent of the ecology, of, of, mm. of the idea of changing the ecology of the planet. There was sort of some of that. Um, with the palm trees and the uh, and the sort of the station that they're in, but mm-hmm. it doesn't really connect that much to kinds, um, or at least they don't make it as explicit. They like it's very hushed implications, and I don't know. I, I think they either could have made that more explicit, or those are things that could have been saved for part two, mm-hmm. and you could have mm-hmm. saved that scene with like the date palm, for instance, um, uh, as opposed to and, and maybe you know brought that in for for Yui. Sure. What did you think of our our Liette Kynes? Oh, I thought she was great. I mean, I think oh. she's she's appropriately wily and good. Um, we can continue like... this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yes. No, I hated her. Uh, well, get out. Those Flint. SJWs putting in the force <laughs> diversity. Um, no, she's great because she captures the thing that uh, that Kynes needs most, which again that is that mercurialness. That and I was glad that the script on the script level, I feel like more than even previous adaptations they played up this this dual mm-hmm. allegiance of like the the emperor and uh and uh you know and how straight and the fremen and so like being able to see her play both sides and she is able to be featured in her own scene and yeah. she gets to <laughs> she gets to murk some sardaukar and that's pretty mm-hmm. great uh, um, it was very good yeah she's so great good. That was such yeah. a great a great change. We talked about that in our our first episode on the movie, like that. Mm-hmm. Oof. Like I'd, yeah, I'd much rather fans. see that than, you know, having to get blowed up by the pre spice mass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lamenting, yeah. lamenting their their ne- their death. 
Yeah, and right. that's actually a really good point, Clint, because I know that, like, even in Lynch's Dune, and I hate to, like, do the thing where you're comparing the two Dunes because there's just totally different films, but, mm-hmm. you know, Max von Sydow is pretty much has heart eyes for Paul, like, instantly. Mm-hmm. And it was nice to see, you know, Kinds played with this more like, mm, well, I'm not convinced. Yeah, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe not. Sort of caginess to her, and it was There's, very yeah. good. There's a colder tactical, um, you know, motivation for her, where it's sort mm-hmm. of like, yeah, like she's because she's still not sure about the Duke. I think, I guess, I guess one subplot that you could have cut, um, that I think may main, sorry, that would not have like really affected the movie that much is the stressor of like the Harkin and sabotage. And whether or not the subplot of whether or not they're going to mine enough spice, because it doesn't really matter. Um, even if everything was doing fine, uh, they, they're still going to get betrayed and destroyed within like the first month. Sure. Yeah. So, yeah. But I mean, I did like, like that because to be resolved. I do think that the, the issue is that a lot of times no one understands why the Harkonnens and the Atreides don't like each other or what Mm -hmm. any of the deal is, even before, you know, realizing that the Emperor is in on it comes in. So I did think that showing that their sort of malicious compliance uh, was good because I think it helped people who haven't read the book be like, okay, they really are just kind of shitty. Sure. But at the same time, just look at them. (laughs) Granted, (laughs) when you join their team, you have to get a whole look. Yeah, shave yeah, your yeah. head. It's like when you work for a bad guy in Gotham. Black leather outfit. Um, yeah. yeah, at least there's no heart plugs. Um, oh my god, just oil baths. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> and yeah, spider, sex spiders. One, one thing that we yeah. discussed in part one was how much we love that the Baron is not jolly, mm-hmm. as he has mm-hmm. been in both, I think, adaptations yeah. up till now. Yeah. So um, it was a good change of pace. Yeah, in the Lynch film, he's he's almost manic. Yeah, you know, yeah. and it's also he's got all the sores and everything. I mean, you know, it's like, yeah. okay, great, thank you for that. We get it. Yeah, thank you for the on the nose AIDS allegory in the nineteen right. eighties. Great, David like, Lynch, appreciate thanks. it. Thanks. Yeah, thumbs up. We we understand. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, he for once the Baron was was actually terrifying, and that yeah, I'm still not over that scene where he was on the ceiling just like shrieking. Like, no, I don't need that in my life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I mean, like, you know, it, it still wasn't great that we're putting an actor in a fat suit. But um, no. I don't know. I think mm-hmm. my favorite Baron is still Ian McNeese. I think there's, like, just that, that Shakespearean um, The rhyming brio. Baron? Yeah, the, yeah, the oh, rhyming oh, Baron. Oh, don't get, don't get both started on the I, lo- I, I love the rhyming Baron. I just think he mean, has so much relish. He's not I terrible, but it's also, him. like, okay. It's yeah. cute, but it's, like... I don't need that in my Baron Harkonnen. Like, I also not adorable. I know. I also think that there's, and this is obviously not, you know, you can't go into, you know, may or may not be the first part of anything, you know, any substantial sort of franchise, as it were. But going into seeing the movie with the knowledge of the books and seeing this version of the Baron, it makes a lot of things down the line were terrifying because I don't want him in my head. Mm-hmm. Like, imagine, yeah. imagine that's in your head. Oh my right. god! It telling really telling does. you to have sex with people. It really like, does. Like, like, oh, thank you. Go a long way towards showing like 
why Alia would make some of the choices she made. Yeah. Because, oh boy. Doom Messiah, so, uh, and Children of Dune, so. Anyway. <laughs> right. Who do we think, who who would you fan cast for Alia? Um, we've actually talked about this a little bit. Who did we decide on, Megan? I have no idea. I don't remember things. Yeah, we're still, we're still sort of, I don't know, we go back and forth a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really not sure. Yeah, I'm trying to think of, of good candidates. I almost wonder if, because it, I mean, it depends on how young you're you're going to actually make That's Alia. That's the thing is like. That's the thing. My nightmare is seeing like, you know, I, and I don't have anything against this actress, but I don't want to see like Selena Gomez playing Alia. <laughs> like, well, Selena Gomez I is too she's old. Fine. She's like nearly 30. Um, right. I'm thinking like, I guess the closest one that comes to mind is Brooklyn Prince from Florida Project. Okay. Um, she's 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 also on a an Apple TV like sort of young adult detective show called like Home Until Dark. Um, hmm. uh, that's that's that seems to be getting good reviews. And um, yeah, I don't know. I, I I'm very interested to see what how they're going to cast the characters that are not in part one. I guess we sort of have our answer about Fade, don't we? Um, they're not doing Fade, are they? I think they're doing. I feel they got to do fade for part two. And whenever they announced that the Dune sequel was going to happen, Barry Keoghan, uh did a very curious oh, mercurial quote tweet. Yeah, that's right. I mean, that's right. He wouldn't be uh, my first choice, but I can see it. I, I almost <laughs> feel like the Harkonnen, like fade Ralph, that kind of needs to be more conventionally attractive. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, Barry Keoghan's got those weird dead eyes. So, I mean, I get it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and having seen Eternals, it's very weird to see him as, like, a good guy. Yeah, I can't imagine. I, yeah, I he's a good guy, and I haven't seen it, so... He's one of the Eternals. Like, he's he well, has, like, mind control anything. powers, which makes... And I just feel like casting Barry Keoghan is, like, an invitation to think he's going to betray everybody. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. spoiler... Quick spoiler, don't listen to the next five seconds if you want to see Eternals. <laughs> he doesn't. It's fine. He's a good guy. Well, and I feel... I- as as much as you know, it was also I liked everyone re- just constantly posting that picture of him and Timothy Chalamet like hanging out because mm-hmm. it's like yeah, people know each other, guys. Like it's, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, it does make me feel bad because I do feel like unto every generation, there's one like creepy guy actor, and I think he, you know, what? Why is Hollywood forsaken Cameron Bright? <laughs> <laughs> Well, Barry Keoghan can He's to be act, everybody. Though, so. He's got that, he have that. He has that Twilight taint on him now, though. That's, That's true, true. He does. But, yeah. yeah. But also, like, Cameron Bright, the problem is he's just an incredibly wooden Bright. Like, he was creepy because he was such a deliberate non-entity yeah. because, like, mm. they used his inability to act as a as a boon. <laughs> sure. um, whereas Barry Keoghan is an actually really skilled actor. And so it's like, he can actually calibrate eat his spaghetti. performance to a... Yeah, he can actually eat spaghetti. Um yeah, so I mean that that would be very interesting. I feel like I've heard rumors of like Anya Taylor Joy as Irulan. Um, I'd be into that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm still gunning for Larry David as the Emperor, but <laughs> that's just me. I mean, I'm all I, I have put all of my chips on Rahul Kohli as the Emperor, but a lot of people are saying <laughs> I'm putting um, all my chips young, on Rahul Kohli for everything. Yeah, yeah. But, but Spice extends life, Clint. I guess. I Recast guess. all the read, roles. Would he read as uh, as the Emperor of the Known Universe? Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> He's the Emperor of this ass. <laughs> I think Rogue Holy. I'm clipping would make a this great... part and I'm sending that to him on Twitter. 
like an alt Stilgar if we didn't already have Javier Bardem or yeah. uh, or some other like uh, some other Fremen leader. Um, I don't know. Uh, that would be very very interesting. I'm trying to think who else would be solid or just like I think some people have Clint mentioned um, Mads Mikkelsen as the Emperor, which would be interesting. Yeah, maybe. But I God. personally would like to see an actor of color in this in this yeah. role. Tired of the musty odor of an uncapped death still? Are you sick of losing that crucial 338th drachmaze of moisture? Well, you're in luck. Come on down to Uncle Jackson's Death Still Emporium, where the only thing you'll lose is your mind at these savings. Located on the outskirts of Arakeen City, stop saving those water rings for a rainy day, because we don't have any. Um, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Get, uh, I mean, because I'm just picturing an older, maybe an older a, man for... a demon Hansu, maybe. Yeah, I mean, it would yeah, be nice for him, him to get a role yeah. that's not just like random henchman in right. yes. special effects blockbuster number twenty nine. Sure, um, that would be great. Um, I just want like a weird sleaze bag, like Michael Rooker. I exactly was about yeah. to say, and featuring Michael Rooker as the yeah. person. I know. Right? <laughs> uh, that'd be great. It's time Actually, no, I need to come it. out of retirement. <laughs> right, right. Um, but yeah, so we we do have we do have options. We do have options. Uh, for, for I'm just two. picturing that now, and it's amazing to me. I'm just closing my eyes and right, right. Um, I guess one thing you know, you mentioned the you know cutting off like a few shots of the ornithopters or whatever. But uh, Which are actually, very cool. I think the ornithopters were some of my favorite. I love them. Well, they're they're the best that they've ever looked in an adaptation. I actually did oh, a yeah, piece absolutely. Um, over at the Companion, which is a subscription based uh, outlet that's based out of England that caters to like exclusively to sci fi stuff. I did mm. one on the history of ornithopters mm. um, a couple weeks ago, going through the Yodorowsky concept art. From mm-hmm. like Chris Foss and all that, where like that was much more like explicitly dragonfly, or, you know, inspired or insectoid, and then yeah. there's just like the ornithopter from the Lynch version was just a, a diamond, like a gold box yeah. with a couple wings on it, and then right. um, then the sort of like just uh, hairier like uh, miniseries ones where it's just like, oh, we just don't have the technology to like pick to depict yeah. like dragonfly wings yet. No, but this I'm, felt like I'm... this, yeah. I I love the design of all of like the crafts yeah. in this. Like mm-hmm. all of the ships, the guild highliners were stunning to mm-hmm. me. Absolutely yes. stunning. I want to see the inside of one. The oh uh, the space flashlights. Yeah. 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 <laughs> space flashlights of Dune, please. Indeed. Right. Yes, of Dune. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. I didn't know Brian Herbert was in the. Yes. Yeah. Was in the room. Oh uh, yeah, you know he <laughs> listens to this show. Oh yeah, yeah, well, Brian, if you're listening, <laughs> please stop. Uh, please stop listening. <laughs> I have no comment because I haven't. read I the actually books. did like read through the wiki on the Sandworms of Dune and was like, what the fuck? It's so yeah, disappointing. It's like, supposed not... to be the real end of the saga or yeah. whatever. I think yeah. I tried reading through that and I was like, I don't understand what's going on. <laughs> Whenever I'm at the used bookstore, I'm always Golas, Golas, Golas everywhere. <laughs> I'm always. They make Golas of like the most. And just you get a gola. You get a gola. It's yeah. basically like the it's like the last season of Battlestar Galactica. Galactica. Like everyone's a Cylon, <laughs> <laughs> but never the ones you want. Um, but yeah, that's I. I really want to. Whenever I'm at the used bookstore, there's always so many of those. And it's like, no, this is not what I'm here for. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here for book club um, editions. That said, can books. we can we take a second to just like just relish in the fact that like 
America has Dune fever. Yes. Oh, I, I'm enjoying it very much. What is much. going on? <laughs> what's, what's, in the, what's in the water of life here in America? We, where, like, we really predicted this, I have to say. Like, Megan and I uh-huh. said from early on, like, look at this cast. There is no way that this movie is not going to be a giant hit. And there's no way it's not going to bring in a ton of new Dune readers. And, like, people just all of a sudden obsessed with Dune. We knew this was coming, and we're here for it. (laughs) However, we do also have those other voices of people being like, oh, but this is really dumb, and this is ripping off Star Wars. Like, we knew that was going to happen. But thankfully, like, the excitement and the enjoyment has sort of, those voices have sort of drowned out those other voices so mm-hmm. no need I believe to gatekeep yet one i just saw the headline i'll be honest i've not done my research on this one i saw the headline in a tiktok mm-hmm. it was saying that dune was what did they say like dune was star wars for bisexuals <laughs> i mean i would say star wars is star wars it's star wars for, for bisexuals yes. uh <laughs> it's just like wait a minute guys back up but yes, TikTok is also full of people attempting to read Dune and then saying, never mind. <laughs> right. right, right. Hold on. There's a reason this is like, this is a, there's a reason this has like not been adapted well until now. And that's what we're here for. We're here. Yeah, please. So you guys yeah, break don't it down. have to. Yeah. I mean, honestly, that was the whole mission statement. Like, if you want to read along, great. We love that. If you just want to know what the hell is going on, that's fine too. <laughs> yes. Right. right. Um, we're still waiting on our check. For yeah. the old Duke is a Matador. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. we totally called that way We have back not in the yet early, received early our uh, credit for that one. Yeah. Indeed, um, indeed. We'll be waiting, Denny. We're just waiting. Where's the <laughs> fucking money, Denny? Um. <laughs> I would also take a Blu ray copy of Enemy signed. Thank you. Yes, yes. <laughs> Do not send me anything with a spider Denny on it. He just has a thing about spiders. Yeah. He does. <laughs> I'm telling you. Yeah. <laughs> that oh. is still the part, for some reason, every so often I will get a tweet from ages ago <laughs> when I made that fake, uh, like, where you can make those fake, like, festival lineups. Yeah. Uh-huh. And one of the days was the giant spider from Enemy. And I still get people that are like, ha ha, Enemy spider. I'm like, okay, great. I'm glad that this is speaking to the fans of Enemy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Both of them. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's just me and Megan. And and just, it's just actually you just like s- discreetly sending tweets to her through an alt. Um. <laughs> so now you're I, gonna forget I, to log out of your real one. Yeah. Right, I barely right. have the wherewithal to run two Twitter accounts. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Oh god, I can't even handle it. No. Sometimes, sometimes I'll get the uh, something on our podcast account. I'll be like, I'm not gonna answer. That. I'm gonna leave that yeah. one to Bo. I can barely, back I, have to to, I have to will myself to promote my own pieces on Twitter. I'm just sort of oh, like I can yeah. and I like today I I pimped my Matt Smith interview on Facebook for the first time in months. That was like mm. any time and like the first time I'd ever shared anything <laughs> because I'm just so tired. <laughs> yeah. Uh you must be if you're going to Facebook cuz that's where all the old people are. Yep. I got to I got to make sure all the people who went to high school with me know how successful I am now. <laughs> Yeah, really I, I, post, <laughs> I post links to the show, and I'm just like, all of my various relatives who see this, do not listen to my show. Uh, yeah. If you'd like to download it and then just delete it, that's fine. Yeah, help sure. help you, help but uh, uh, you do know. not listen to this show. <laughs> Why? You don't want people hearing that Rohu Kohli is the emperor of my ass? Um, <laughs> I use swears. 
Oh, and I talk gotcha. about sexy stuff. Mm-hmm. And I have too many aunts. Right. And they're all you know. Catholic. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you, you better take that down. That'll affect your ability to get a job. Oh, yeah. No, I've heard that one before. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, no. It's, it's so amazing. It's so amazing now that we're in, a, in an age where uh, all the old people who told us to watch what we said on Facebook um, <laughs> are now posting the most unhinged crap. Of, oh, yeah. Like people eat like threats to elected leaders, and suddenly oh. we're the ones who are like, "Oh, it's going to affect your ability to get a job if you get a or, tattoo." Or you know, everything or there's was women talking about eating dirt. That's something that's, that's happening. My favorite what? thing. I, I, I'm, I can't even process. There's that. an MLM that is yeah. dirt that comes from it's a bog boo. in Canada. It's called yeah, I forget what it's an acronym for, but it's black or black something oxygen organic. Organics. Yeah, yeah, organics. Mm-hmm. And supposedly, you know, you just consume this dirt and it heals everything. And it's yeah. people are like, oh, I, I drink it in my coffee every morning and suddenly I'm having like 16 orgasms a day. And it's like, I yeah. don't know that those things correlate. Right. And yeah. why? Like, like, what are you doing with your day? Because that might explain it. Yeah. What I are mean, you doing should, with the dirt? Have- don't you have work to do? I mean, you can either eat it. You can eat it. it you can stuff. make it to a face mask or um, you can yeah. A popular one is a, is a foot bath where people yeah. are like, these pebbles came out of my foot. And it's like, no, that was already in the dirt. You fucking Or burn. like bugs. They're like, this mm. bug came out of my skin. It's like, no, that bug came out of the dirt you had your feet in. <laughs> so people sweet. will do literally anything to feel like they figured out some special secret that they don't that the, the establishment doesn't want you to hear <laughs> sure. um, yes like they they need to feel like they're the 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 they are the messiahs they are like the prophets of these new things <laughs> oh that God. like modern medical science and i mean i get what's going on because i mean so much of it is fueled by like very real anxieties about like the ways the medical system has failed women and mm. uh, things like that. So I like, I get where it comes from. I get where the skepticism comes from, but the idea of like questioning what is happening to you and what, and like whether or not experts are like truly looking after your best interests doesn't mean, doesn't have to fall into pure contrarianism where it's like, well, <laughs> if they said it, it is wrong. <laughs> yeah. Just sometimes dirt's dirt just dirt. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. Eat this dirt, it will cure your psoriasis. Yeah, but those people aren't worried about losing their jobs. Yeah. I would actually dirt planet. Feel like uh, I actually feel that my job would be more in jeopardy if I was publicly being like, I eat dirt as opposed to I'm excited for Book of Boba Fett. Right. (laughs) Right. What they're really saying is that makes me uncomfortable, um, but they can't say that. So they're going to be like, "Mm, I don't know. I'm just looking out for you. Right. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's like my boss doesn't listen to my show either. All the time. (laughs) Yes. I'm just concerned about your health. Anyway, yeah. oh my God, it's always our but health. You know what isn't was it? a real hazard to my health, and I'm I'm gonna be a hundred percent honest here. Fucking Hans Zimmer. Man. Oh my God, yeah. in the theater, I was like, my ears. <laughs> I did you guys I did was, you did you see it in like the Atmos stuff with like the seats? Um, the second time no. I saw it, yes. Uh huh. No. Yeah, it's absolutely because um, I because there is a theater in Chicago. Like there's the AMC River East, uh, which is the downtown AMC, which is where a lot of like the big press screenings happen, and so that's where I go a lot. And so for especially for the big I've movies, they put I've been to that us... theater. I saw oh really? Im- I saw Immortals there. 
Oh, really? I, was, I just happened to be in Chicago with a friend who was... Uh, Not to be confused to, with Eternals. Right, no, it was the Immortals. It was... Because yeah. that was like... I was like, oh, Henry Cavill's just not a good actor. He's just pretty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but... He's actually, uh, like, kind of sucks. Right, but, uh, but the Dolby Atmos um, screen there, which I think came after Immortals, because I think it only got installed <laughs> in the last few years or whatever. But mm-hmm. uh, the, first, the first movie, I saw Dune there and i also saw blade runner 2049 in that nice. in that uh, theater and both of them i feel like just Denis Villeneuve is is so committed to just shaking your dinner out of your body oh. um, <laughs> like i felt like i had had a spinal adjustment when i left yeah and this i was think just i described like... it as ass shaking mayhem um, <laughs> yeah. um that was the most like i I knew like Hans is good for like a bombastic score. Like we all love Inception, but like mm-hmm. this was another level. This was like <laughs> unlike anything he has done before. It was I left and I told Megan I was like I'm a little bit afraid of Hans Zimmer now. <laughs> yeah, there were parts and I usually kind of I'll be honest, I rule a little when people will say like oh such and such like the background noise is so loud I can't hear people talk. But there were definitely parts where I was like I <laughs> Are people speaking? Because all I feel is like, ah. Like. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's a very, like, you know, droning score. And I mean, Zimmer, obviously, he's he's made a name for himself, like, do, with a very particular school of film scoring mm-hmm. um, that is very, as opposed to, like, bombastic, like, melodic themes, it's much more about tying it to sound design almost. And um, yeah, here it's a very if you go back and like listen there's like three different versions of the dune score on spotify right now there's like the regular mm. movie soundtrack and one interesting thing about zimmer is that he always does um a sketch what he calls a sketchbook which are like when he's building the sounds for the for the score itself um he'll make these long 14 15 minute tracks of just motifs and like just experimentations and he'll release that as an album so that's, that's also very there. cool and then there's a third one that's like tied to the art book i think it's like the art and soul of dune mm-hmm. or something like that but it is also there and that also has 15 minute long tracks <laughs> and it's all just like very um yeah it's all very atmospheric stuff so it's it's hard to really like detect specific there's like a couple of specific motifs but mm. more uh, more along the line it's just kind of like selling that ominous dark foreboding um all-encompassing vibe of like of the bigness of this universe that is being yeah. presented mm-hmm. to you um along with some like slightly problematic uh ululation and uh, <laughs> yeah. vocals the kind of stuff we usually get when we're doing stuff that's coded to the middle east mm-hmm. but uh yeah that was a little. I I like to. I I know that all kinds of movies, unfortunately, still use those sorts of cues. But I like to think yeah. of those as being very James Bondian because there's always a very like this is Asia. Now, Which is fitting because is Zimmer this. just did the score for the James Bond movie too. Maybe he got them mixed up. Maybe <laughs> maybe that's the case. Um, Roxana Haddadi, who's a fantastic critic, has a great piece in Vulture oh, yeah, called "Dune as a Desert Problem." Yeah, and and she's a view. Um, Aww. And uh, like she, like she would have loved to have come on this podcast, but she had uh, other ob- obligations. But well, um, Roxana, you are welcome. Yes, anytime. <laughs> absolutely. Um, yeah, I'm sure she would love to come on. Um, but she has a great piece in Vulture called "Dune Has a Desert Problem," and mm-hmm. uh, from the perspective of an Iranian American, she sort of details with great you know, alacrity and research um, so many of the the gaps in understanding mm-hmm. uh, and sort of the the use of stereotype that uh, that happens. And I think she is much more lukewarm on the movie than than even i am but um it is a real test of like 
that you know the the different schools, the different metrics by which you judge a film too. Where because I think we the ideal scenario is being able to recognize those elements and still um in and still enjoy it and still mm-hmm. like wreck it like be like i can i can enjoy a thing and also absorb very valid criticism of it mm-hmm. right. uh, and i think the ululation Absolutely. in the zimmer score is a big part of that um like in 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 a in a sort of flat sort of distance from context sense i think it sounds pretty good um, in the context of of the film, it is uh, being used for and everything else. Like it's sort of like, oh yeah, this feels weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure. Yeah. But are those it, bagpipes, though. Uh, oh, God. <laughs> Megan does not like them. I don't I'm a like bagpipes. I'm a general. big fan. <laughs> I'm more confused that the balisette was not there. We didn't hear any balisette. No, well, just a cameo was, appearance. Yeah, that was a deleted mm-hmm. scene apparently because oh, yeah. I I did get a copy of the Art and Soul of Dune, thanks to a uh, friend of the show Brian Skinner. Thank you again, mm-hmm. Brian. Um, but you know they do have like stills from you know scenes that were not used, and there is one of Gurney playing his little balisette. What does it look like in their in the version of? Dune? I mean, you only really see like the fretboard. Uh-huh. So it it looks like a pretty stat like a wider, wider than a guitar I would say, but mm-hmm. like thinner than a sitar, mm-hmm. um, more strings than a guitar, um, kind of flat. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, you don't actually see like the the body of the. Is it him the like holding the balisette? Yeah, yeah, he's like holding it. Does it look like he's playing it like a guitar? I'm just yeah, curious. a little bit. It's sort uh-huh. of like a. Um, I'd like say he's holding little, it more I, like a sitar. Right. Okay. Right. Cool. Interesting. I, I'm, I I mean, I want to pick up the book to see. You see it next mm-hmm. to his bed, but I mean, that's in the middle of. I mean, I'm not going to ask getting. questions. <laughs> well, he just sleeps in a little a little bunk with his dudes. It's just a, so. yeah. a boy a boy in his balisette. Boy his balisette. Yeah. That's really all he's got going for him, at least until <laughs> Children of Dune. Wink. Um, right. Oops. <laughs> oops. I mean, and now seeing like Josh Brolin as Gurney, I'm like, yeah, okay, I get it, Jessica. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. She likes a gruff man with facial hair. Yeah. In uh, in, in gray Power Rangers armor. Yeah. yeah. She's just she's just into it. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Very um, warhammer. Plus he does whatever she says, so that's all also a plus. <laughs> <laughs> he really does. She's literally yeah. just like I need you to kidnap my I grandchildren. Mean, He's like, "Well, and- okay." In the last uh, episode of, you know, when we were discussing Children of Dune, he, Gurney just outright says, look, I just do whatever your grandma tells you, to, tells me to do. And she told me to kidnap you. So, <laughs> you know, it sucks to be you, kid. See ya. <laughs> right, Have you right. seen your grandmother? She's pretty great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but going back to the score, there is there's a pretty in depth interview with Hans Zimmer over at IndieWire about how he built the sound, and it is it is a very experimental score, which is fitting for a lot of Zimmer's mm-hmm. work. He loves to just like fuck around with instruments and be like, "What if I treated this instrument as a different instrument and see what I happens?" Honestly, mm-hmm. love it. Like I was, I mean, I I like to make jokes like, "Oh, I'm scared of him. He's a madman." But honestly, like huge respect for that score because it really did like. Like you said, you know, it's it's not across the board okay, but it really did throw you like yeah. it does feel alien in a way into that, this uh, world, yeah. that it needs to be. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, it's just tough. It, it's not. It's just not very motif driven. Like, or at least it's not very like. It, you're not going to be humming a lot of the, no. <laughs> the themes <laughs> coming out of it. Um, but it works. I mean, because and that's all part of Villeneuve's thing. I mean, it goes even right back to Blade Runner 2049, which again, like, I feel like uh, Dune succeeds where, and, and I love Blade Runner 2049, but like mm, that same. flopped hard. Yeah, um, and this succeeded. I mean, maybe it's incredibly lower expectations. Um, I feel but, like know. that's a big part of it. I mean, the Dune fans out there, like the Dune Legions, they are <laughs> the Sardaukar. Yeah, they are <laughs> rabid. They are. I would say, like, we love throat singing, s- right? But like, yeah, there's less of us. I feel like <laughs> than there were Blade Runner stands. Maybe. You think? I don't know. I would disagree. I would push back on that. I feel like Dune probably has more because I just feel like Blade Runner. I mean, I think people are a fan of cyberpunk, mm. um, mm-hmm. but I don't know how many people are like specifically Blade Runner. I'm like, I'm going to I'm going to go for it. And fun fact, Blade Runner, just like there's an anime series that just premiered in Adult Swim. Oh, yeah. I just saw the review on the spool. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Justin Harrison did that. And I reviewed it for <laughs> Consequence. It's like fine. It's. I'm. I'm thinking it'll. Uh, they. They replaced Jared Leto uh, with Wes Bentley, which I think is a smart move. I, I oh, mean, okay. I see it. Yeah. And Brian. Was, and Brian Cox plays his dad, and it's uh, a very succession. Love. <laughs> <laughs> we were just talking about uh, his book, but he just put out now. He's just shit talking all yeah, these other actors. Yeah. Just like excellent. I love that guy. <laughs> Brian Cox's burn book. Yeah. It's Big great. fan of Brian Cox. <laughs> I know. Fuck off. Um, yeah, so it's it's very interesting to see. I, so I, but I just think Dune. I think Dune benefits from its own idiosyncrasy. Like I think what mm. used to be a weakness is now a strength. Like where where Dune truly does feel like something that we for for all of its um, you know ascendant inspirations into mm. sci-fi, the Dune itself feels like a challenge. It like watching Dune feels like a challenge. I think because mm-hmm. the because it's so notoriously unfilmable mm-hmm. and all of that stuff. I think the fact that they're like, "Okay, let's see if this works." And I think even for general audiences who are notoriously risk averse, um, I think the the sort of word of mouth of it and the fact that it does look big and interesting yeah. and different and not Marvel. Like mm-hmm. I'm, maybe it's my hope that's like, oh, a big sort of like, <laughs> and because it's still, but it's still like an IP that like yeah. can be franchisable that people can ascribe their identity to. You know what I mean? Sure. It's a different Marvel, but it's a little more art housey. It's a little more art housey. <laughs> it makes you feel like you're you're being classy when you're watching it. Sure. Who would um, ever make Dune an entire part of their brand and or personality? Right, right. Yikes. Not that we know what that feels like. Right, but, no. Um, but I don't know. I, 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 I like to think that that is a part of it, where where Dune feels new and different in a way that somehow like hits general audiences in a way that like other non IP stuff does. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think like maybe Marvel fatigue played a big part in Dune's success. God, I hope so. <laughs> I would love for people to be fatigued about Marvel. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Just like, I'm tired, guys. I'm tired. <laughs> as much as I would like to see really I held on for ripped so long. Kumail, like, I don't know that I'm going to see Eternals just because I'm exhausted. Yeah, yeah, I will someday. Yeah. Like, um, You know, just watch the TV shows. I say WandaVision, Loki, Aces. Yeah, there you go. There yeah. you go. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's, I, I'm, I'm hoping that the, the response to this is indicative of something more. And, um, 
Yeah. That, I mean, I'm just like, honestly, like ask yourselves this time last year, like, mm-hmm. do you think this, this like delayed Dune that's incredibly expensive and um, is from a director whose last attempt to do um, another weird, uh, heady sci-fi property flopped hard um, that we would be getting a sequel, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I had doubts, but I'm yeah, I'm very happy that uh, that it's moving forward. It's weird that it feels more like relief. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's like oh thank God. Yeah. <laughs> I I especially love though how many people seem to think that it was all a conspiracy. A conspiracy. <laughs> they were, Hold on. I've seen people on Twitter saying like, well, you know, they were always going to do the sequel because they don't let people just call things part one, and and people were providing lots of evidence of like well. Remember how we never got like the subtle knife? Like, <laughs> remember that Golden right. Compass movie, everybody? Um, yeah, because uh, that movie fucking sucked. <laughs> well, there's know. that, but also. I'm uh, sorry, I'm a big I'm a big Pullman stan here, so no, I that's feeling good. But it was just you know people saying I too like am that's a huge not fan of Bill Pullman. <laughs> Who is that it? one too? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, but yeah, people saying like, oh, they were always going to make it. They just wanted like to make this part of like a whole mystery thing i'm like i don't think that that's how major studios do work guys no no um like well you know they weren't even gonna green light it until they saw how the hbo numbers numbers did right and i mean who's like what what sorry (laughs) i'm still wrapping my head around it because in what way does that change people like who who's going to go see it for the sole reason that if it doesn't get made, if it doesn't do well, a second movie won't get made. Well, Dune fans on Twitter. That was yeah, always a lot sure. of people's plan. But mm-hmm. I just, yeah, I just, apparently it was, you know, to make people want to see it and or just to make it a topic of conversation that it might not get a sequel. And like, surprise, it did. And it's like, that's not how movies work. No, no. <laughs> well, it's because everything has to be a conspiracy. Like nothing can ever just like. Happen yeah, due happen. to circumstance, right? Um, you have you have to feel like the big smart boy um, for figuring out that it was the way the whole time. And I'm like, come on, this isn't 2012. You <laughs> didn't mean to get captured, right? I uh, or you know they just that way you can see if the same actors are in different properties and you can write things yeah. about like, haha, what if maybe this was this? <laughs> like, oh, right. <laughs> What yeah. if the polka dot man is a mentat? Like a a, uh, a BuzzFeed list of you know Dune characters that should be in the MCU. Uh, uh, so tired. I'm exhausted. Watch another I movie, won't please. Pretend that I didn't once discuss on this very podcast what Star Wars characters should be in Dune, but it's <laughs> my podcast. I mean, but there's at least a, a provenance. There's an yeah, ancestry. They're there. both in space. <laughs> This and is Dune, true. And Star Wars was inspired by Dune directly. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Unabashedly. Yeah. So there is, like, a lineage there. Yeah. Um, but to be fair, I didn't pick any, like, Skywalkers or anything. I think I went no, with Ron. No, for sure. Because so. <laughs> Skywalkers are boring. I was going to say, yes. you you definitely said Thrawn. <laughs> I definitely said Thrawn. That's all I ever say. <laughs> Billy is somewhere in the house going, oh, my God, she's talking about Thrawn. Again? Uh, <laughs> His ears perk up. You're the only person I know that has Thrawn earrings. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I showed them to Timothy Zahn at a book signing. Oh. <laughs> That's lovely. He had well, his assistant um, take a picture of them. Any other like parting thoughts on Dune or Dune 2 or 
Ooh, part two. Uh, part, <laughs> Dune part two is what's Dune two. Dune, Dune, Dune it two. again. Um, Dune it again. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. How you doing? Uh, I, I my my major takeaway is just I think the greater triumph than this movie succeeding is seeing all of the Dune poster memes. Mm. Um, <laughs> my favorite one might be Duncan, which has replaced all the characters with Sandy Duncan. <laughs> um, That's excellent. Amazing. Pretty great. <laughs> I like the smiling, the one that they ran through the smiling filter. That yes, one's very creepy. Yeah, that one's nice. That one's nice. Um, but yeah, generally, even even for someone who is like, I'm a Dune super fan, but I have issues with part one. Mm. Um, it's it's very. I think it's a testament to the film's power that I want to keep watching it again and again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I agree, and I have a prediction. Mm-hmm. I have a prediction for something okay. we might see at the end of Dune Part Two. Maybe uh, a dark room and a light comes on and it's Duncan Idaho and he opens his eyes and they're metal golf balls. <laughs> but he can still cry. Yeah, but he can still cry. I don't know about that. I'm going to be honest. Return. Right. I yeah. don't think I've ever seen Jason Momoa cry. So I don't know if he can. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying film? to remember if there was an episode of Stargate Atlantis where he cried. I don't, I don't think... Ronan never cried. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I feel like there's a piece in there, too. I feel like there's, people have got to be clamoring for, like, more Duncan Idaho. And I feel like Ronan is a very Duncan Idaho character. Or at least yeah, Duncan that's why I thought a very it was Ronan amazing inflected character. When people were just like, I don't know about Jason Momoa with this. And I'm like, I don't think you know about Jason Momoa's longest running role. It <laughs> was not on Baywatch Hawaii. Yeah. Also, I think you better go back and read the end of Chapter House. Because uh, J- Jason Momoa is actually kind of perfect for this role. Oh yeah. <laughs> Do we know if is that, Jason is Momoa that the time when can Duncan rock Idaho gets uh, dreads? Uh, it's uh, Duncan Idaho making a woman orgasm just by climbing a rock. She's wow. watching him rock climb, and she just comes. Man, sometimes yep. all it takes. Yeah, that's, uh, that's how all hu- human women work. Yes. That's Indeed. just <laughs> what happens. It's just. The I think that might have happened on Stargate Atlantis. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> he hung out with the Wraith a lot. Maybe one of them did that. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? It's all going to depend on who's Alia, honestly. Yeah. That's okay. I. I said, and that's where they're going to have to walk a very, very careful line because mm-hmm. unless they just, I mean, it's entirely possible they're going to go for the age up and just mm-hmm. be like, oh, she's yeah. eighteen. How yeah. great. Yeah. And Denny uh, has said that he wants to make Messiah, which I'm like, please don't. <laughs> Such a bummer. <laughs> like, what a sad little movie that'll be. Like, oh, great. Yeah. I'm excited at, at that we just time, watched this. Yeah, at the same time, though, I mean, a sci-fi blockbuster franchise trilogy that ends with, like, the defeat of this savior narrative that mm-hmm. the first book, um, or at least like, in, or at least our understanding of it in the pop culture consciousness, like, traffics in. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think it'd be really, really cool. I be, I don't need children of Dune, um, but I think even just sort of building them up in the original Dune with the first two parts and then bringing the hammer down with Messiah, I think would also be a really interesting movie for right now, sort of seeing the deconstruction mm, yeah. of autocrats and yeah. um, the sort of limits of that kind of power. But uh, then again, I guess it relies on... Um, characters who have a sense of shame about what they do right. um, and that's kind of the thing is when people get started talking about you know is dune a white savior narrative i'm like mm, 
It is right now, but it doesn't have to be at the end. Yeah. Right. (laughs) And like, I, the book, no. (laughs) I love whenever people get interested in Dune because I love the inevitability of someone just going, well, I'm just going to read some Wikipedia articles on what these other books are, but what? (laughs) Like, like, oh, I've seen so, it's like, I I think I said this on Twitter because I have seen people say like, I, I tried to watch Dune, but I just couldn't get into it. It was too weird. I'm like, you don't know weird. Right. Try explaining Sightale to someone. That this was a pleasant. This was a pleasant uh, political drama right. in the desert. <laughs> compared it's like to people what's finding coming. out what Dear Evan Hansen's about when the movie came out. It's like, hold oh, on. God. Oh my god. <laughs> I mean, was that supposed s- to be straight? <laughs> <laughs> the first time I ever read that particular Wikipedia article because I had seen something about the musical and I was like, I don't know what that's about. Let me read this. What? <laughs> yeah like and i i have read many things in my life but that one was a doozy yeah i mean i oh, would yeah. say like a doonzy if you will yeah. dune is as much of a white savior narrative as you know dear evan hansen is a rom-com so <laughs> i thought you were gonna say his dear evan hansen is a white savior narrative <laughs> oh boy <laughs> I mean... no <laughs> oh, but you know if it's our turn we should be playing the bad guys honestly Oh yeah, no, for sure. Like, please, <laughs> it's it's time. It's really okay. Um, well, uh, yeah, I think this is probably a good place to wrap it up. Would you agree? Sure. Yeah. Yes. All right. Well, we're gonna call it for this episode. We're gonna be back next time. Back on Children of Dune. So, <laughs> oh boy, things are really <laughs> starting to happen <laughs> in the last part of this book. We've got oh, a lot no. to talk about. Oh no, you know about. what I just realized? Hmm. Oh no, you know what part we're at? Yeah, I do. Oh, we're at adult beef swelling. Yes, we are. Oh no, <laughs> I quit this podcast. <laughs> I resign. Well, uh, I'm also announcing that I'm looking for new co-hosts. <laughs> <laughs> Someone willing to talk about an adult beef swelling. <laughs> I was I was breaking people's hearts on TikTok with that actually. Mm-hmm. Oh really? Well, because somebody, someone had was had made a TikTok about that particular part in Children of Dune, and they were just like, and "She's like, yeah, really but that weird. was a nine year old that said that." Yeah, so. I'm just commenting like, "Oh, and by the way, it's a kid's thoughts." Yeah, <laughs> read Dune, everyone. Don't think peace. happens yet at that age. Um, <laughs> well, you know, he has many adult consciousnesses. Oh, well, yeah, great. <laughs> Beef swelling. The beef swelling. Oh. What's what's the worst sci-fiization of like a, a normal thing? Beef swelling or jizz from Star Wars? Mm, jizz, because there's no excuse for it. Yeah, yeah I agree. I agree. Call it jazz. Yeah, please. Jorps. And it really, uh, it really lessens the, problem, the horror of the word jizz as <laughs> as it exists. Jizz whaler. Jizz yeah. whaler. I will argue, though, that even though that's the funniest, I think the worst Star Warsization is uh, paper, which is called flimsy plast. I hate it. I hate it. Or glass, which is called transparasteel. That's right. <laughs> well, I mean, Dune, they call it plasteel, don't they? Yeah. Or plastic, yeah. yeah. And people or are laser fur. is a laser gun. Laser gun, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's called sure. laser. Well, I mean, laser gun, laser gun. It makes it, it at least makes sense. It's the future. Sense, it's you know? pretty lazy, it, is it, what it is. It makes more sense than jizz as jazz. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> that is just so one of the. I, first of all, like, I think people try to hand wave it as, like, well, you know, they were just trying to make 
a very, you know, world build on a budget. Mm-hmm. It's like, there's no excuse for having to call it jizz. None. No Letters one refers- are free. Letters are free. The alphabet is free. It didn't no cost you any more money to come up with something less stupid. As a genre, I'm, no one yeah. walks in to the cantina and is like, oh, wow, I love to listen to jizz. Like, <laughs> oh, man, that jizz. Be- I, I just drink it up, you know? Love that jizz. <laughs> love that jizz. Just, I want to have all that jizz in my ear. Yeah, put that jizz into all of my holes. Um, <laughs> but no droids. They can't no, listen to jizz. No, no jizz for droids. Well, it gums up the works, but... <laughs> Well, this is ending exactly <laughs> how I would have hoped. This Kathleen Kennedy's coming end. to our houses. Uh oh! <laughs> <laughs> I see the red dot of the, of the Disney sniper. Disney, I'm sorry. <laughs> so, Clint, do you want to plug your various enterprises here for our listeners? Ah, uh, too many to count. But um, as you mentioned before, I'm the editor in chief and founder of the Spool, which you two do wonderful work at. You can find that at thespool.net. I also run a podcast out of the Spool called Right on Cue, which is a composer interview podcast where I talk mm-hmm. to composers um, and even sometimes get them to record commentary tracks for their scores. This week, uh, the week of recording this anyway, I, I got uh, Stephen Price to do the score for Last Night in Soho. Oh, that's um, exciting! I've heard yeah. nothing but good things about the music and the scoring in that movie and mm-hmm. and and not much else um, <laughs> it's, um it, it, it's it's a remarkably mediocre movie that i've gotten a lot of work out of but yeah. uh but I, it's nice but it's nice to be able to find those, those elements that i really like and hone in on it i love talking to composers um sure. and i was glad i was able to talk about uh hans zimmer with y'all um but yeah, yeah you can find that at wherever your whatever podcast uh places you do i also run a podcast with nathan rabin called travolta cage uh we've sort of been on a off and on hiatus just because we're both so busy <laughs> Um, But we go through the filmographies of John Travolta and Nicolas Cage, sort of uh, one movie at a time, matching them up. Uh, You can find that at NathanRabin.com. I also write for Consequence. It's it's Mm -hmm. no longer Consequence of Sound. It's just Consequence now. But you can find it at Consequence.net. And uh, yeah, I write for other places, The Companion, Nerdist sometimes. You can find me wherever. I'm also on Twitter at Clint Worthing. Awesome. Thank you. And let me just ask you one parting question. So what movie what travolta movie would you pair with mandy if you guys were doing a back-to-back with mandy so the trouble we've been having is that nick cage keeps doing interesting projects even when they're bad and then Mm. travolta's have just been worse and worse and worse Mm. i would probably pair it with the fanatic just because they're both just sort of like out there performances but uh, it's tough to find a travolta equivalent to mandy because there's not really even like a movie like mandy um i love it very uh, much Talk yeah. about scores. I know. Yeah. Oh, R.I.P. Uh, if I if yes. I could talk to Johan Johansson, that would have been a, a treat. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, as for us, you know where you can find us. As Clint said, we're over at thespool.net where we write about films and television and all that manner of all and sundry. Um, you can find us there. We're on Twitter, at WeirdingPod, Instagram, all the places. If you have thoughts about Dune or about this episode, you can email us, weirdingpodcast at gmail.com. And, uh, yeah, we love to hear from you guys. If you mm-hmm. like this show, rate and review. We'd be happy to hear your feedback. As long as it's nice. Yeah, if it's not, we're just going to We're just it. not interested. Feel free to ignore it. <laughs> Until next time, everyone, be nice and take your take spice. Take your spice. Bye. <laughs> you got to stop that. We, I can't. <laughs> At least I didn't do the Alaska. Bye this time. Bye.